pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Gets the ball. Felder scored in the corner. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. This week, we are probably going to cause a bit of a stir online again as we name the top 10 halfbacks in the NRL. There's a clear winner, but the rest of the positions should make some interesting conversation as we also dive into some listener questions and prove that RTS leaving early has actually been good for the Warriors. Bizarre, I know. Daniel Friend, welcome to the show. Uh, I just wanted to do a bit of a mental health check, Friendy. I mean, I know obviously you've been in lockdown for like, what, eight weeks now, so that's obviously tough up the Central Coast for you. But then your Knights uh, are losing Connor Watson, uh, and he's, he's taking less money at the Roosters, uh, only solidifying Kurt Mann's spot in the side. How are you going? Well, yes, I did say to you guys in the group chat, uh, man, I do need a check-in. Uh, that's M-A-N-N in terms of Kurt. Um, hello, Bo, and hello, Miles, and hello, Kieran, firstly. Uh, yeah, it's uh, quite disappointing that we're losing Connor. For some reason, we've re-signed Kurt Mann, uh, the serial error machine. Um, I guess, yeah, I don't know. They see some sort of value in him, which I just cannot see at all. And from what I heard earlier today, an interview up at uh, Triple M up in Brisbane, uh, Kalen doesn't seem all that happy about it either as he's uh, Connor's best mate and housemate. So, yeah, not really looking after our star player either. But, yeah, on we go. Oh, that's that's uh, that's interesting little bit of goss there. Uh, I'm not sure if I trust Triple M. Brisbane. I did notice, by the way, you were tweeting a bunch, uh, a bunch of different people your uh, your stats from the weekend of Kurt Mann, <laughs> all oh. the errors that he was making. I just can't understand. Do, does Adam O'Brien not see it? Uh, just some of his errors. They're they're comical. Um, I think from a an opposition point of view, you'd just be laughing at the replays, but. Yeah, I, I certainly wasn't. I had to walk outside and um, yeah, before I scared my my dog. <laughs> <laughs> good call, good call. I'm I'm glad that uh, Joey's not too scared and, and nice and safe. Miles Stebman, welcome to you. Miles, I've got a question for you. What month is your birthday? Um, I I know what the next question is. So I don't know if I want to answer accurately or not. But um, December is my birthday. Well, that actually lines up well, because if you said it had already happened this year, Christmas is just around the corner, and I have just the present for you, Miles. You <laughs> you shared it with us in the in the group chat, NRL Eau de Toiletta, some <laughs> NRL fragrance. Miles, where the heck did, you, heck did you find that? Um, I You know what? I was doing um, research for the show, and it was one of the banner ads on NRL.com, so... I don't know what the story is. I don't know how long it's been out. I don't know how many times it's been bought. What, what do you think it would smell like? Do you think, like, because, like, I, I have been, I have purchased a few of those products you're referring to. I've got some. Hopefully not Todd Carney. <laughs> <laughs> if it was Todd Carney, it, it cost twenty nine ninety nine. That would be about twenty nine ninety eight. too much. Um, I, I have... <laughs> I have purchased a couple of the uh, NRL products from Chemist Warehouse, like some Cowboys themed. How many of uh, these are there? <laughs> there there's, there's Cowboys themed uh, wet wipes, like, you know, baby wipes, which I use in my job. Um, I, there's Cowboys branded uh, pocket tissues, you know, those like little 10 packs of pocket tissues. Oh, um, yes. No, I have um, 
I've, I've, I've also bought my, um, I've bought a friend of mine um, a box of those uh, Tigers um, tissues to, uh, I think it was at the end of the um, the season where they lost to the Sharks in the uh, at Leichhardt in the final game of the year and um, missed out on the finals. I remember buying my friend a, a box of Tigers tissues. So, yes. <laughs> it's better to wipe the tissues away, but let's not get the Todd Carney branded eau de toilette. Um <laughs> Kieran, speaking of absolute shit, uh, I've got some bad news. Townsville has been named officially, according to Shit Towns of Australia, to be the shittest town in Queensland, taking over from Logan, which has been a multiple award winner or loser, I suppose you'd say, in the past. Uh, Townsville beating such towns as as Logan, Caboolture, Rockhampton. Uh, it's, it's not that great, but... Kieran, one thing that all of those places don't have, Caboolture, Rockhampton, Logan, is an NRL football team that absolutely sucks. How much do you attribute the Cowboys' <laughs> poor form and one premiership in 28 years uh, to, <laughs> to this uh, outstanding result? Yeah, well, look, I had my second Pfizer jab on Friday and I was feeling absolutely terrible, absolutely shit, um, I guess you could say. And uh, I was wondering on Saturday morning when I woke up with a massive headache, uh, hot and cold sweats and felt like I was just going to vomit nonstop. I was wondering if my day could get any worse. And then I realized that the Cowboys were playing. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a pretty good shout. Um, the Cowboys are not going too good at the moment. But I actually would have thought Caboolture would have been a, a good shout for uh, shittier than uh, Townsville. Yeah, Caboolture has the highest per capita uh, drug intake, I think, in the state, but um, but Townsville, the highest per capita uh, car theft. So, it's, you know, it's a bit of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a trade-off. Like, what do you prefer, right? Um, uh, Logan has the lowest per capita uh, footwear in the shops, I've found. But never mind. Let's, <laughs> roll, let's roll forward. Guys, last week, uh, I got seven out of eight last week. I had a pretty good one. I tipped the Cowboys with the heart. That let me down, of course. Uh, what also let me down, but only just, was that I said that my bold prediction was that no tries will be scored past Jake Granville and Ben Hampton down the Cowboys' left-hand side. And one was scored. Tommy Talao did crash over in the second half. Ben Hampton rushing up, marking nobody. It was bizarre bit of defense from him. Jake Granville did the best he could, but Talao scored a pretty simple try. So I was, I felt like it was going pretty well there for a while, but alas, no cigar. Kieran, you also got seven out of eight. Uh, you said the Panthers would have the biggest winning margin of any team this round and would win by 30 plus as a result. Um, they got Nathan Cleary back, but not quite the, uh, the big margin you wanted. No, it looked all right in the uh, 60th minute. I think the Panthers scored two or three quick tries and they were running away with it. And I thought it was going to gonna uh, pull off for me, at least the 30-plus the margin. Um, but in the end, yeah, it wasn't close at all. Uh, sad to hear that, sad to hear that. What I'm not sad to hear is that, Friendy, you got eight out of eight. Well done this week, mate. Uh, it, it, excellent effort. Um, but you also, your bold prediction was that 400 points would be scored across the weekend. Now, there were some high-scoring games. Did you get across the line? I didn't know. I got the full book with the tips, which was good. But, yeah, only 343 for the round. So, I think everyone might be getting a bit tired, ready for the finals. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're starting to defend. No, no, no. It's definitely not defend. It is tiredness. <laughs> uh, Miles, you also got eight out of eight. Congratulations to you. You also got your bowl prediction, although uh, about halfway through the game, uh, you mentioned that your bowl prediction that Manly by 18 plus against the Eels was maybe not bold enough. Yeah, I mean, is, just to take my little victory lap here, is that the first time anyone's gone perfect in the tipping and gotten the bold prediction? Yeah, that's a flex, <laughs> isn't it? Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so you, win, I, you win the eau de toilette. 
<laughs> it's it's coming in the mail express um i'll send it down to your area uh you can pick it up at the beach if you like uh yeah i, th- I think well the, the bold going off is so rare um you've you, you've pulled exactly the same move mainly by 18 plus a couple of times in the last four weeks uh so that's going well for you maybe go it again this week um and yes to get eight out of eight with it i think it is the first time yeah, um, and, and look, what I learned this week is that uh, leadership never goes out of style. Uh, Moses Embai's career on the field, West Tigers may not have gone that well, but often it's I think he's been integral for the club personally. Uh, he's, he's well known as obviously one of the best leaders in the uh, embattled club. Um, uh, it was obviously, he was named captain a few years ago before um, James Tamo took over that mantle. Um, he's, he's also known to be one of the most popular players at the club. Um and he's, he's, he's good in the community too. Um, and, you know, who knows what a difference that's made um, given the the area, the uh, the Balmain area has sort of taken a bit of a hard ride away from league and, and toward uh, rugby since the, the merger in uh, 2000 or 2001, I think that was. Um, but look, alas, uh, I think we've, uh, or some of us have seen um, what a difference Adam Dewey has, has made as an on-field leader this year in that, that Wild West documentary. So... Uh, I guess the Tigers could probably figure that they could afford to let Embai go, and they've they've had a take of the Dragons. Um, so, look, despite how ordinary Embai has been on the field um, the past few years, he's he's been he's still been picked up immediately by the Dragons. So it, it kind of shows you that um, you know that that club's had almost invisible leadership this season, the Dragons, and that's a, a trait that's never going to go out of style. So it's probably going to keep Embai in the league probably until the the day that his his body says no more. Well, him and him and uh, and Ben Hunt could form a nice little leadership package there. Hunt has exceeded my expectations in that regard, and and the Tigers will be fitting most of the bill next year. So, uh, not a bad pick up for the Dragons, I think, with and Byers versatility. Uh, thanks for that one, Miles. Kieran, what did you learn from the week that's been? I learned that just two weeks after I said Bennett was the best coach of the NRL era, I look like a bit of a goose with the storm on the cusp of the greatest regular season in NRL history and potentially back titles yeah they're, they're really quite incredible aren't they uh friendy what did you learn uh i learned this week that trent robertson creates leaders so since robinson's taken over at the roosters he's transformed oh certain bad boys i guess you could say jake friend jared warrior hargraves into club captains he's also mm-hmm. produced two origin captains in uh boyd cordner and james tedesco and i think that may actually end up being two australian captains as cordner's already captained his country and tedesco looks well on his way i, I would have thought um i think it's credit to robinson and, and what they do there at the roosters and tedesco I, I think he might end up being the best leader of the lot, even though at first I, I thought he was a, an unlikely leader, to be honest. But, mm. yeah, he, he's been outstanding this year, both for New South Wales and for his club side. And uh, he keeps taking those games by the scruff of the neck and, and doing his thing on the field. So, yeah, credit to them. I um, Yeah, I totally agree with that. I learned maybe a few things. I, I wrote a few down just in case you guys took any of them. I guess the one I'll go with is that I learned that Nathan Cleary can shoulder charge people, have it directly lead to a try, and have no comeuppance whatsoever <laughs> apart from a fine. Um, that was bizarre. And uh, there's been much that's been said about the fact that if it was Victor Radley, Jack, uh, Jack Hetherington, et al., you know, um, it would have been 
a penalty, almost certainly, um, and it, probably a suspension. Uh, Nathan Cleary does it. Oh, he's just protecting himself. It's all good. Yeah. It's like, yeah, come <laughs> on, guys. Like, let's let's be consistent. I, I, I personally don't have much of a problem with that kind of shoulder charge. It's not a crazy head, like, you know, out rushing out of the line to the head, kind of Dylan Napa style shoulder charge. But, um, you know, you've got to be consistent. You've got to be. And I don't care as Nathan Cleary. If, if it needs three weeks on the bench, it's probably good for him anyway. But, um, yeah, I learned that he can get away with just about anything. So, that's that's what I learned. My... Uh, uh, let's talk about wildcard awards. Mine this week uh, to throw back to an award that uh, Friendy you dished out a, a couple of weeks ago for best sledger to Cody Walker. <laughs> I have I have given the Cody Walker award for best sledge of the week, and it goes to Matt Nabel, the uh, actor <laughs> turned uh, Fox Sports presenter of sorts. He does those like those special midweek hype up ads. And, and and last week it was for the Seagulls and Eels game, which turns out to be a bit of a fizzer, as we've mentioned. Um, and they were doing their promos with Matt Nabel pulling that voice that he does. And he starts talking about the great rivalry between the Seagulls and the Eels in the 80s. And then he comes up with the best sledge as it fast forwards to this image of Tom Tavrojevic. And then afterwards, it has an image of the Eels as a whole team. And what he says over the top of that is... This season's most obvious difference is one lot has a star player and the other doesn't. Yep. <laughs> and he's like, whoa. <laughs> that is a big scripted sledge, Matt Nabel. <laughs> like, we, I mean, we said it on the pod. We said that the Eels were lacking that star player, but it was just so funny to look at, you know, one star player, Tom Travojevic. Yep, we can all accept that. And then it's like, the other lot hasn't got one. And it's like this just image of like all of the eels. <laughs> it's like, that is a sledge, Matt Nabel. So he gets the uh, Cody Walker Award for best sledge this week. Uh, Friendy, what's your wildcard award? <laughs> well, mine sort of entails Cody again. So my wildcard award this week is left side, strong side. And I just want to give a bit of credit to South Sydney, to be honest. That left side that they have is just phenomenal. There's another five or six tries down that side on the weekend. Uh, Alex Johnson sits atop of the table in terms of try scorers this year. He's just been sitting out on the left wing, just putting the ball over the line. Hasn't had to do too much. He's on 24 tries and they just keep create. Everyone knows that it's coming but no one can seem to stop it. So, yeah, a bit of credit to their left side. It's, it's pretty fantastic out at South Sydney there. Well, that's keeping in mind the fact that Johnson has been out for like the last four or five weeks too. Um, like that's yep. an incredible yep. run. Uh, you throw Mansour's try on top, on top of that and you're looking at 30-plus for that side, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Well, even Braden Burns in the centres scored two the other day. So it's just Latrell scored down there. Cody Walker gets his fair share. It's Yeah, they're fantastic down that side. More on Cody Walker uh, at the halftime entertainment, actually, uh, thanks to uh, a brainchild of Kieran. Kieran, we'll talk about uh, that in a moment. What's your wild card for last week? This week, I've got the dreaded What If Award, which goes to Valentine Holmes. What if he could grab any part of a player when attempting a tackle? What if he'd made it in the NFL? What if that meant we'd got Latrell Mitchell instead? And as my brother Owen says, what to do, man? Um, yeah I I totally agree you you made mention to me in a private chat about a a pretty disgusting it it was almost Uh, like he exerted more effort trying to avoid the tackle if anything yeah 
Yeah, it was. Uh, I was watching here with a couple of mates because my parents were up the sunny coast, and um, yeah, Owen wasn't here, but we were all going off at the TV. It was not a good look, and he's done that a few times this season. Um, yeah, I'll stop talking because I could rant about him for hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can feel your blood boiling. Like you, you seem like a pretty calm dude, but your beats per minute got to about seventy-eight there. So I just want to <laughs> like just just bring it down a bit, uh, calm fella. Let's settle down uh, with Miles's wild card. <laughs> well, mine doesn't really calm things down at all. Um, at least if you're a <laughs> <Yeah>. racist fan, <laughs> I, th- I think I've um, uh, admittedly probably been the only soldier on the uh, Victor Radley as a liability hill. But um, look, my course took another big victory on Friday. I think he nearly cost his team yet another game with his his reckless play style. Which uh, I think, um, to be fair to the guy, it's it's probably been um, under PVL ball. It's it seemed to produce. Um, almost now as many blooper reels as it has uh, fantastic defensive highlights. He's just, I don't think he's as, as uh, quick as, as people think he is. Um, and he, obviously his latest ignominy was, was saved by probably an even worse Broncos blunder. But um, that certainly left me rock solid in my opinion that he's probably as far away from the New South Wales jersey as he, as he ever has been. Um, I think that uh, any any Queensland team that had its wits about it would uh, make short work with, with Radley. The, the same way that they sort of did when... Um, when Luke O'Donnell popped up in a blue jersey about 10 years ago now. And um, I just, yeah, uh, if, if he was in the field with two minutes to go in a you know, tied state of origin game, I, I would not be confident at all. Very interesting. You have, and like, it's not like you're not a fan of Victor Radley because he's obviously a quality player, but you have oh, mentioned a couple that. of times, yeah, you mentioned a couple of times that his just, his style of play might not be conducive to the type of product that rugby league is nowadays. Yeah, he's um he's just not. I don't think he's quite as uh, quick laterally as everyone thinks he is, and he, he obviously slips up a ton. Um, sometimes his his tack. Some in fact, sometimes his tackling style is so good that it does over rotate the player, and he can t- sort of do that um, that judo throw sort of um, uh, when they wind up on their head. Um, mm-hmm. It's he he really does need to sort it out because it, it is going to cost his team a big game one day, whether it's via a, uh, uh, a sin bin or a, a last-minute penalty like we saw on the weekend or, or God forbid, a, a send-off. Indeed. Um, I'm going to change up the run sheet just a little bit because I want to dive into some uh, questions that we've had from listeners, and thank you to all the listeners, because it actually kind of ties in a little bit with what Miles was just talking about. So I'm going to flash forward just a little bit. We have four questions uh, that came through at various little ways. Uh, if you have any questions for the pod, uh Get in contact on social media, leave a comment on Facebook, uh, get in touch uh, above the horizontal NRL at gmail.com. Uh, the first question is from Nathan Carman, um, although I pre- prefer to pronounce it Carman because that just sounds better. <laughs> it sounds like some sort of weird, like, Transformer superhero. So, Nathan Carman. Um, Wasn't there a, a, a Carman who played for the Knights like 10, 15 years ago? George Carmont. Come on. Yeah. Socks down, shirt out, ponytail. Yeah, exactly what you want to look like as a, as a footballer. There was also there was also Brian Carney uh, as well, the yes. great Irishman. Um, but yeah, no, no car man. So Nathan Carman, um, who I'm sure I've just given a nickname to all of his friends there. Uh, he basically he basically just asked PVL ball good or bad for the game. And the idea here is, guys, that just give me a pretty quick response in one or two sentences. Kieran, is PVL good or bad? 
Uh, look, I've changed my tune. I say good for the game. Whilst it's only been three weeks, the majority of games lately have been much closer than the rest of the season, and I, I do enjoy the attacking product. Okay, friendly. Uh, PVL ball, good or bad for the game? Yep, got rid of the wrestle. Very good for me. Miles? I think uh, with a more of a bird's eye view, we, we've realised I think it's just different. Whereas the you know at the start we were all certain it was better, but I, now I'm I'm pretty confident it's just different. But I like it more. So, for what it's worth. Yeah, like for me, it's hard to watch because the Cowboys suck and they have sucked for the entire <laughs> time that PVL ball has been a thing. So uh, it's hard for me to judge, but I still watch a lot of football. I still love it. So it, it's probably a yes for me. And I think you're right, Miles. It's just different. Uh, the next question comes from uh, Owen, actually. Owen Gibson, the mm. brother of Kieran. Uh, basically, I'm just going to just bring it down to exactly what he said. It was basically like, when are the Cowboys going to win again? <laughs> he's, a, he's a he's a big Cowboys man, Owen Gibson. Uh, it, it does feel a bit like that. They've lost, I think it's like seven or eight in a row now. Uh, Miles, what, what do you see for the Cowboys? Can they win again this year, do you think? Look, Owen, I think they're capable of it. Um, obviously, the, I looked at the, their schedule, and I think the Dragons is obviously the most winnable of the final three games. But look, who's to say that they uh, that they can't upset the Eels this week? Yeah, the Eels have been diabolical as well, as we've mentioned in last week's pod. Uh, Friendy, uh, when are the Cowboys going to win again? I think, as Miles alluded to, it's it's either one of the next two weeks. I, I can't see them beating Manly, Manly in the last round, but um, yeah, who knows? I, I, I wish them all the best, and hopefully they can take a win into next season, especially for young Tom Dearden, who's on a bit of a losing streak as a starting halfback. Well, he's never won a game as a starting halfback, even with the Broncos. It's a, a bit of Yeesh. a... A bit of an odd stat. He did win a game off the bench. Uh, he scored a try, but uh, no, not never from starting half. But Kieran, you're a Cowboys man. Uh, when are they going to win again? Uh, look, I wouldn't be surprised if it's next season at all. Um, we do stand to get Tamalolo and Tabuai Fidel back in the coming weeks, possibly this week, but I honestly think next year. Yeah, I... Owen, never. They're never going to win again. <laughs> They're just going to oh, fold the club. They're done. It's time to pick another team. You say the Broncos are all right. Get on that bandwagon, Owen. It's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the next... I'll have to play that. I'll have to play that for him. Well, I mean, obviously you play the whole episode for him, of course. But yes, yeah, oh, definitely that bit. Um, the next question is from William Prizeman uh, or William Prizeman. Uh, again, they're going with this weird kind of... <laughs> Transformer superhero thing we're going with. Um, he asks, if the Storm go back-to-back this season, which we've talked about, and uh, Kieran, you mentioned that you've learned that it may well be on the cards, mm-hmm. is it more impressive than when the Roosters did it in 1819? Um, and depending on your answer, why, why not? So, uh, Friendy, is if a Storm manage it this year, is it more impressive than the Roosters doing it a couple of years ago? Well, I just think in terms of winning a premiership, if you get one, that's fantastic. And if you get two, especially in a row, it's just incredible. So I can't split either of them. I think they've both had their ups and their downs through the time. And if Melbourne pull it off this year, I honestly can't split them. I know that's I've got splinters in my ass now from sitting on the fence. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's I can't split them. I think it's both incredible if they do pull that off. Okay. Uh, Miles, do you have a position? Um, look... I think it is. Um, I, if, if I were you, I'd, I'd go and count how many times the, the Storm have played at home since the start of last season and, and mm. count how many times the Roosters played at home their two premiership seasons. 
Yes, I mean, COVID has changed the the ball game a little bit. That's a good point. Kieran, uh, what do you think? Yeah, look, I've got a resounding yes for the same reason that Miles said and also the fact that Cameron Smith's retired. Yeah, yeah for me, it's it's it's... It's probably just on the side of yes. They, as Freddie says, both incredible, no question about it. Certainly can't take it away from the Roosters. I think the Storm's ability to regenerate from legends, like just going on, going on, and uh, I, I can't. And they were they were grand finalists in one of those Roosters wins, by the way. You know, they won the year before that. Like they were going in for two in a row uh, when the Roosters started their thing. So uh, incredible. I think it is more impressive. Yes, but only just, they're both very impressive. And the last question was a late one that came through from uh, Vanessa. Although I have my suspicions. <laughs> may, <laughs> it may have been a miles S or an M Stedman, but no, apparently it was, it was Vanessa. It came through via miles. Your receipt if you want. <laughs> okay, I will. Yes, thank you. And I'll share it with the people. Um, <laughs> no, not really. Um, look, are the Roosters better off with Angus Crichton on big money or Connor Watson on small money? And I will preface this question because I don't know. Like, does Vanessa know more than the rest of us? Because I haven't heard anything about Angus Crichton, like, it being a one or the other situation. Um, so, Miles, you obviously. Uh, are friends with Vanessa? Is she like like on the scoop here? Does she does she know somebody or or what's like? Where's she getting their info from? I think the um I think the general consensus in the eastern suburbs is that Crichton's gone either to to rugby or to to take off a longer, more lucrative deal with another club. But look, he, you know anything could happen. He could resign. But um, funnily enough, I actually don't um, I, I'm not I don't have a convincing opinion one way or the other. I I would lean toward um. Crichton on big money though, because I think they've got most of their uh, their really important contributors locked down. I think Tedesco's locked down, um, Kiri is too, and, and I think Walker is. They'll be obviously be working on him, so they don't need to do a whole lot of saving of the dollars. So I'd just go ahead and and chill out for Crichton. I think. Yeah, interesting point, Friendy. If it was uh, one or the other, Angus Crichton on big money, Connor Watson on a cheapish deal, cheaper than the Knights would be offering him. Uh, what are you taking? Yeah, I'm sticking with Crichton on big money. I think he's the premier back rower in the competition. I think he's been outstanding this year when he's been on the field. And, yeah, Vanessa Politis, um, she might have some mail <laughs> that we don't have. But, yeah, I'd, I'd be paying Crichton. <laughs> uh, is the last name Politis, Miles? No. <laughs> okay, just checking. Um, uh, and, Kieran, uh, do you agree? Yes, yeah, I would go Crichton. I did have why not both, but I would go Crichton on bigger money if I had to choose. Yeah, I'm pretty much like the little uh, the little girl in the old El Paso ad, like throwing the shoulders into a shrug <laughs> motion. Why not both? Um, but, you know, if, if it was one or the other, I too would go with Angus Crichton. Sometimes you pay money for what you need, and what you need is a premier back row. Um, so I think that's a definite win there. Uh Guys, um, I came up with an interesting thesis throughout the week that I thought was actually going to be quite controversial, but I was met with a, a little bit of agreement uh, from most of you guys. I came out saying that Roger Tuovasa-Shek and his sudden departure has been really, really good for the Warriors. And not just like one of those correlation causation type things. I think him leaving was actually a good thing for the Warriors. Kieran, what do you think? 
Um, look, I think as good as RTS is, his team's reliance on his sheer brilliance proved oh, maybe not too grave. But I did write too grave for them because uh, they it does seem as if they shirked their responsibilities with him there. And maybe rightly so. Um, I mean, which teammate is taking the ball off RTS with five minutes to go to win a game? Um, the hole left by RTS has quickly been filled by accountability and desire for each Warriors player to be the best they can be. I mean, have you seen the aggression levels Kane Evans has been playing with? Um, it, it's, it screams premiership winning prop. It has allowed for Walsh to stay in his preferred role at fullback and uh, Harris Tavita to slot into the halves, who it looks like will partner Sean Johnson next year. Yes, and uh, more on the halves very soon, by the way. We are talking about the top 10 halves in the NRL, uh, currently contracted to NRL teams, of course. Uh, interesting point. Friendy, do you agree? Do you, like, is, is, are the Warriors better off now that RTS has left? I'm not sure I'd say better off. I'm not sure any team is better off without RTS, but uh, it's certainly the changing of the guard and the reset I think they needed to have. So, yeah, as it was Roger's team for a long time, it's now probably Reese Walsh's, and they put a lot of faith into him, and he's seeming to flourish with that added responsibility. Yeah. Um, well, Reese Walsh actually got a few votes in our uh Top ten half, uh, sorry, fullbacks of the of the NRL. He didn't quite make the top ten as it were in the end, but uh, you know, I think he will in the coming years if he stays in that position. Miles, do you do you agree with uh, Kieran and, and Friendy? Uh, is RTS leaving the best thing for the Warriors? Yeah, well, I, I pretty much do um, agree with their exact sentiments. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm also um, I'm not the biggest uh, NBA guy, but there's a, a pretty uh, iconic hoops writer in uh, for ESPN, Bill Simmons, who has this theory. It's called the Patrick Ewing theory. Um, of course, named for famous um, New York Knicks player that um, a lot of a lot of teams get better when their star player either leaves or gets hurt for the season or something like that. It, it galvanizes them and they, they feel a bit more shared responsibility for the, the performance. And um, I, I think that's definitely what's happened with, with RTS. They've all sort of taken ownership of their roles in the team and they've I think they've become a better team for it, but it's it's interesting because now they're just gonna, they Sean Johnson's just want to walk in there next season and it, it might go back to the same same old shit that they've seen the past ten years. So <laughs> who knows? It might all be undone. So what you're saying, and I've got like Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber face on right now. <laughs> so so what you're saying is to answer Vanessa's question, yes, you sign. Angus Crichton, pay him as much money as you can, and then you hire Tonya Harding's boyfriend's mate from that basement to come and take his knee out. He's done for the season, and then the Roosters galvanise and win the comp. Is like that's that's what I'm picking up from what you're putting down there, Miles. The Patrick Ewing theory from Bill Simmons from the the Ringer. Um, I I think it has improved them, and the reason I sort of posited uh, was. A combination of all of those things, but most specifically, and there's no questioning that RTS is a great leader and a great person from what we can all tell, but he had, he had other plans, didn't he? And when you have other plans, you can't you can't possibly be a hundred percent, can you? Like you just can't. Like it's subconscious; it's somewhere locked away deep, but there is something. And and if you're not at a hundred percent of your potential in the NRL, you could be found out or letting your team down in some minor way that you wouldn't even be thinking of. Now, he's not a selfish guy. We've talked about this previously. He's a, he's a genuine, like, in the last 20 years, you, you couldn't name five better New Zealand players 
I reckon. That would be that'd be the call. It'd be Stacey Jones, Benji Marshall, couple of forwards, and Roger Tuovasa Shek. He'd be right there with them. But he wasn't he wasn't there mentally. Like he was he just like just a little bit, I think. And I don't know. Yes, the Warriors have played some easy teams the last couple of weeks, and I, I certainly don't want to denigrate anything about RTS. I'm not saying he was being lazy or taking shortcuts or anything like that. But there is just you do switch off just a little. That motivation just goes away just a little. And uh, I think it may have happened to him. Um, but, you know, that's just a weird little theory that I'm running with. All right, guys, let's get into the top 10 halfbacks. Now, a couple of weeks ago, uh, for those that aren't familiar with the show, and welcome to you if you are not, uh, we did the top 10 fullbacks of the NRL. Now, all you have to do to qualify for this list is be somebody that we think could play fullback and be a currently contracted person in the NRL. You could be injured, suspended, or otherwise. That's completely fine. But as long as you're still with your NRL club, you are eligible. So, for halfback, in theory... Uh, you guys could put all your votes into Josh Maguire if you wanted to, uh, if you thought that he could be the, one of the best halfbacks in the comp. That would be a waste of a vote, although if you gave him 10 votes, he would have made it. Um, <laughs> but uh, how it works is each of the panellists here puts together a top 10 list of the best halfbacks in the comp, currently contracted to the NRL, uh, ranks them, and then their first person gets 10, 10 points, second gets nine, third gets eight, all the way down to the 10th position getting one point. Those uh, We have not shared these votes with each other, so the other panellists have no idea who the top 10 is. They probably have some idea, of course, but uh, I've tallied it all together, and we've got a top 10 halfbacks in the NRL in order. Now, there are a couple of ties uh, for, I think, 8th and ninth, and for 3rd and 4th, actually. So, what I did was this week is that I've organized a sort of um, uh, a tiebreaker as, as such where I have taken... Um, so, say, for example, uh, you know, 2nd place gets 9 points, uh, and then that same person also got voted in 4th, so they get 7 points. I've taken their lowest and their highest score out of the equation, to use the sort of the middle scores and whoever has the most points out of those middle scores wins. I can explain the accounting to you later if, if you need to, but uh, basically yeah, it was like very, gymnastics judging. Yeah, it was, it was pretty much, pretty much the idea. I got the idea from the Olympics. So, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, that's it was actually a bit of a tiebreaker for a couple of positions. So let's get into it. I will mention there were 13 players that ended up scoring at least one vote from at least one of us. Um, so not that many, I suppose, uh, between four judges. Which sort of shows that there are there's probably a, a, quite a clear top seven or eight, I think, and then the rest are sort of picking up votes along the way. Uh, I will mention the also rans towards the end, um, but to get into it, in tenth position with eight points is the Dragons halfback. Adam Clune. No kidding. Uh, it is Dragons. It is Dragons halfback Ben Hunt. Kieran, why does the Queensland well, Queensland number nine? Why does he make the top ten halfbacks in the NRL? Yeah, look, I'll be straight up and said I had him a little bit higher. Um, he obviously hasn't played as well at halfback as what he did at, at hooker in Origin, but I just think um, he's still still got it. He's still got a running game. Still can kick a, a 40-20 when uh, his team needs to get him out of a, a bit of a hole. Um, yeah, I just like his play. He's passionate. Um, <laughs> yeah, it brings aggression. Um, yeah, 
I think he deserves a spot in the top 10. <laughs> he brings aggression, therefore he's in. Um, look, I think when we, when we do the hooker countdown um, in future weeks, I would suggest that Ben Hunt's a really good chance of making that list as well. A very good all-round player in those sort of positions. A bit of a, a, a problem fixer for Queensland, for sure, and a very good halfback Um Almost, almost won a comp with the Broncos in the half-best position in 2015, of course. In ninth position with 11 votes, perhaps someone, somewhat of a forgotten player, Miles. It's the oh, Roosters yeah. half-back slash injured, uh, injured person, Luke Keary. He comes in at ninth. Now, uh, it'd be fair to say that... If he was fully fit and playing like he was at various points last year, Luke Keery would probably be a bit higher on this list. <laughs> a bit higher? Oh, this is a disgrace. I, I, I dropped him <laughs> down to... No, I'm not kidding. I, I dropped him down to five, and that was penalising him big time because he's hurt all the time. But ninth, man, that's an absolute shocker. He's, he's got to be, um, in my opinion, I think the second best halfback of the game when he's when he's actually on the field. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's led his team to... Um, multiple premiership wins. Now. Well, actually, three premierships wins now because that one of the Rabbitohs at the start of his career. Um, of course, with Adam Reynolds. He, he yeah. will. Uh, I'm sure he'll get another crack in the Blues jersey and I'm sure he'll do a good job when he does. Um, he's a fantastic player. I can't believe he's wound up this low. Yeah, it really would just be uh, because of injury. I, I will uh, get you to chime in here, Friendy, on that one. Um, yep. That's pretty That's pretty much where where that sort of ended up, do you think? Yeah, just purely on his injury, and he's played uh, 5'8 for the majority of his career. So I understand he was wearing the 7 at the start of this year, but to be honest, I hardly even thought about him. Um, he just slipped my mind completely. Suffice to say that when we do the 5'8 countdown, he may not slip the minds after that vitriol we just experienced from Mr. Stedman. Uh, <laughs> so uh, don't, don't fear, Miles. I'm sure he'll pop up again in nearby countdowns. Now, the next position is actually a tie for 7th, uh, but on the, the, uh, the countback system that I arranged, uh, the person that's replaced Luke Keary has come in at number 8 in the best halfbacks in the competition, Sam Walker. Now, Friendy... Uh, he's only 18 or 19, I think. I think he's still 18. How is how is this happening? How did he ascend the ranks so quickly? Oh, he's an absolute superstar in the making, I think. Uh, not only with ball in hand, which, yeah, we've certainly seen what he can do there with long looping cutouts, a, a good strong kicking game, but I think his toughness has been so underrated this year. He has been absolutely bashed with the ball and without the ball. He's... He'd be lucky to be 80 kilos, I think, and he puts his body in front every week. Um, I, I think, yeah, he, he's going to be a real player of the next decade, Sam Walker. He's also playing busted at the moment, so it's, it's, it'd be interesting to see if he can get a couple of NRL pre-seasons into him, uh, fill out that body a little bit. He, he could well be Queensland's answer to a Nathan Cleary, if that's any sort of spoiler uh, for the rest yep. of this list. Um, equal with Sam Walker, but just pipping him on that countback system that I'd mentioned. In seventh position, uh, speaking of New South Wales halfbacks, it is Mitchell Moses. Kieran, what's... Uh, now, you know, he's a New South Wales halfback. He probably would feel like he should be a little bit higher up on the list. He's guided his team into the top four the last couple of years. Uh, Mitchell Moses has come in seventh, though. That's still pretty good. What makes him a, a top 10 halfback in the NRL? Um, I think his kicking game, it's certainly improved a lot this season, especially in that game against the Storm um, earlier in the season. I remember he was 
his his bombs in particular, he seems to be able to to not only bomb the ball but kick it fifty meters down the field um, at the same time, um, which is a real feature of his game. And he obviously had that kick against Queensland where he found it in no man's land. So his kicking game is a, a real feature um, of his game. I had him a little bit higher, but I think his the Eels late fade uh, towards the end of this season probably sees him drop back a bit. But I can see him being a, a top five fullback honestly in years to come. Interesting. Um, now. Speaking of people that have been top five halfbacks potentially in the past, just outside the top five this year at number six is a uh, well, an adopted Novocastrian, Miles. We've got Mitchell Pierce at number six. Good call. Uh, no, I, I had him a bit lower. I had him at number oh goodness number ten nine eight. I had him down at eight. Um, I think he's the kind of uh, Look, to be harsh on him, I think he's the kind of player who can um, cost his team the game as much as he wins it for them. Um, he's nowhere near consistent enough for me to to be in the conversation for almost top five. He's he's very he's hurt very often, um, although he is older now. And just generally, I think he's bizarre world. Luke Brooks, he was he was parachuted into an excellent situation in the Roosters. Brooks wasn't for the Tigers, and he's earned himself this. Um, quite lucrative move to Newcastle and hasn't been on the field barely. So I think he's um, very much benefited from the situations he's been in and, and we shouldn't forget how, how poor he was for the Blues. It's 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 so fascinating because, uh, you know, it sounds harsh to say that. And, like, you've, you've called him the eighth best halfback in the comp, so he's obviously a quality player and probably was better in the past than he is now, including all those injuries to talk about. But uh, none of us had him as high as six. Yet, from the pure fact that there was so much indecision about the likes of Moses, Walker, um, Kiri, of course, you know, getting heaps of votes from some of us and, and almost none from a lot of us, the ups and downs of those players has them lower than Mitchell Pierce, who at worst was eighth and at best was seventh, <laughs> but he ends up at sixth uh, because of consistency. And, and maybe that's actually a bit of a, um, a conversation about his career in and of itself. Quite ironic. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit ironic. Yeah, he got four, 14 points. So he was only one point ahead of Moses and Walker as well. So it was a very tight little run there. A little bit of a jump up to 20 points for the fifth place. Uh, one of the most talented players uh, that I've ever seen, uh, particularly in the last decade. Uh, frustratingly inconsistent, I think would be fair to say. Um, and hasn't tasted a whole lot of success with a uh, with a team apart from making a grand final in his debut season, I believe, at the Warriors, it was Sean Johnson comes in at number five. Friendy, uh, he's he's got it all, Sean Johnson. Yeah, he certainly does. Uh, he's yeah, kicking game, passing, step, yeah, speed, everything. He, he's a phenomenal footballer with a touch footy background, and I really like watching guys who have that touch footy background because their skill is just yeah off the charts. And we've seen that with Sean. He's a Golden Boot winner, and yeah, I wish him all the best in his move back to the Warriors. If he can stay injury free, I think he'll yeah, I think he can do some damage there. Well, hopefully he can, and I'd, I'd love to see him link up with Reese Walsh. That'll be very interesting. Now, there is a huge jump up to equal third um, with 31 points between, well, there's two different players that tally 31 points. Uh, on the countback method that I came out with, um, in fourth place is a Broncos-bound Rabideau, Adam Reynolds, Kieran, Adam Reynolds is a, a premiership winner, and the way that they're going this year, they may well be a premiership winner again. Uh, top four, does that does that feel right for you? 
Uh, I had him at fourth. Um, I, I, I was actually considering dropping him a little bit lower. I don't think he's had his best season, but I think the biggest rap that I can give him um, on a season that's not been his best is that I think he can produce uh, on his on any day. Uh, if it comes to a, a grand, if the grand final is played today, I think he could play a, his absolute best game. Um, yeah, that's probably the best rap I can give him other than having probably the best kicking game in the comp. Now, Friendy, uh, I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit here. You did have him ranked a little bit higher. When it came to the countback, I had to strip your, your vote away, um, which which did not work in Adam's favour. So he's equal third, comes in at fourth because of the countback. Uh, what is it you like so much about Adam Reynolds? His kicking game is second to none. He, he's got the best kicking game in the competition. Uh, he keeps his side... Um, well, I guess consistently they can pour the pressure on from that uh, red zone, like inside the 20, as, yeah, he's getting those little grubbers into the in goals and, and continuing to force repeat sets. He's also got his long kicking game. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's someone every side sort of needs to have, and he'll, he'll flourish up in Brisbane, I think. The Rabbitohs are consistently in good ball, and with, with when they're in good ball, they're able to play uh, you know, some trick shots with the likes of Walker, Mitchell, Alex Johnson being the main beneficiary. So, yeah, he's a fantastic pick. Equal third, but officially fourth on our countdown because in third is the Queensland captain uh, and previously a, an Origin-winning captain, um, Daily Cherry Evans, Miles. He's an, odd, he's an odd character, Cherry Evans, because I think... Like I personally love him. I think he's I think he's a fantastic player, and I think he's a fantastic uh, bloke. Uh, but because of that Gold Coast backflip situation, and maybe he's a little bit too prim and proper for uh, a lot of the average rugby league fan, he seems to be a bit of a divisive figure. Um, I don't get it, and I'm more than happy to have him in the top three. Yeah, I, I had him at third, um, so that that holds true for me. I, I think the the hate for him is, has taken over the narrative for him, unfortunately. Um, so I, I think uh, he he is one of the more underrated halfbacks in the league, and absolutely, I'd, I'd pick him any day to on, on my team. Now it's very fascinating because uh, basically the top two, it's pretty clear. I think it's pretty clear who number one's going to be. I don't think anyone would have picked who was going to be the second best halfback in the comp on a vote. Uh, you know, three or four years ago, you, it was going to be Brody Croft was going to be the the gun halfback from the Melbourne Storm. But a, a guy named Jerome Hughes just kept chipping away and chipping away, Friendy, and he's landed himself on 34 vo- uh, votes, which is quite a clear second place. Um, what is it about Jerome Hughes? Because all of us put him in the top five, obviously, to get that many votes. He's, um, he's turned into... He's a makeshift halfback, as is Craig Bellamy's want a lot of the time. Uh, but like, what is it about him that, that puts him in this sort of echelon? I think his biggest asset is his speed. So it adds to his running game. He, he gets on the outside of defenders, and then he has that big right foot to come back on the inside of them. So I guess that when you're a half, you're trying to create doubt in the defense. So the fact that he has that speed and that running game uh, really helps him there. So, yeah, as you said, he's a makeshift half, but he's he's developed... Oh, his development has just been astounding, and I think that's the Bellamy factor coming through there. Absolutely, and I'm sure it's no surprise to anyone listening out there. It was no surprise to me when it came back with a perfect 40 out of 40. Every single one of us gave him the number one vote, and for good reason. There has been some doubt about Nathan Cleary, particularly on this podcast, Miles, uh, about his ability to, to win the big games. 
you know, he had a, a pretty ordinary... Even when New South Wales were winning games when he was halfback, he was doing the solid job. Um, and when the big game happened or when the big moment came, he goes missing occasionally, like last year in, in the state of origin uh, or the first half of last year's grand final. But uh, I don't think there's any doubt, Miles, that he is undoubtedly the best halfback in the comp. Yeah, you you learn from those situations or you don't. And it looks like Cleary has and, and proven um, most wrong that he, he, he is indeed a big game player. And I, I think when the Panthers um, reach their destiny this season, which I think is the grand final, I think he, he will have a fantastic game. And he could, hell, he could be another of those unlucky players to win Clive Churchill medal from a, a losing grand final. Gosh, what a sour note to end that on. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, and uh, good luck to you, champ. Um, <laughs> get some better teammates. Uh, <laughs> Kieran, uh, a perfect 40 out of 40. Uh, for, what is he, 22, 23? Uh, the sky's mm. the limit, really. Yeah, I think he was on at least on track to, to win the most LEM points this season. And yeah, he arguably would have had the greatest, even possibly better than Tom Tabojevic's season this season uh, if he had stayed injury-free. Big call, friendy, but uh, for a for a guy that's just ticking all the boxes now, uh, probably fairly worthy praise. Yeah, certainly. I, I think eventually it could be a bit of a big call, but I think eventually from this generation, Nathan's probably uh, a big chance to be the immortal from this generation down the track in in twenty years' time when people look back at his career. I, I think he's he's well on that trajectory. He's an unbelievable player, and I think probably the most important in the competition at the moment. It's interesting you say that because, um, you know, like Slater, you sit there and go, Billy Slater, that's going to be an immortal. Jonathan Thurston, probably he's a, he's a candidate. Cameron Smith's a candidate, right? You just know them. And Cooper Cronk, just not quite. Not quite, right? He's just that next tier down. He's a fantastic, great of the game, legend, but not quite an immortal. There's just something about it, right? He's just the Peter Sterling kind of mold. Now, uh, the person that won last week... Tom Travojevic, I think the reason that I personally voted for him above Tedesco is not because Tedesco isn't absolutely a worthy number one. He would be. He's a fantastic player. He's a great of the game. He's he's a legend. But I don't think Tedesco is going to be an immortal. I think Travojevic could be. And when it comes to halfbacks, it's quite clear that if any of them is going to be an immortal, it's 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 going to have to be Cleary. He may not. He may end up being that Cooper Cronk level, which would be more than enough for Panthers and for New South Wales and Australia. But, yeah, you're right, Friendy. He, he could well be in that conversation. <laughs> Round 23 is upon us, and it is time for predictions. The very first game is between the Titans and the Storm, and that is going to be played on Thursday night from Seabus Super Stadium. Miles... The Storm have won 18 games in a row. It's starting to get a little bit ridiculous. Do the Titans have what it takes to, to take them down? Uh, no. <laughs> no Next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, why don't they? Um, unfortunately, one of the big reasons is going to be the missing AJ Brimson, who mm. um, fractured his jaw against the, the Rabbitohs. Um, but I did see an Instagram post from him saying that he's okay. So that's... Uh, 
that's good. Um, uh, Preston's boy, uh, Jaden, will, will be taking his place in the side. Um, and Jamal Fogarty is, is also back at halfback. Um, he'll be taking over from Toby Sexton. I'm not still sure what the story is there because um, Sexton has been playing quite well, I thought. Um, but uh, alas, uh, Aaron Clark also... Um, the new hooker for Mitch Rain. Uh, David Feeder is going to be starting. So there's a lot of um, churn here for the Titans. Uh, the Storm. Uh, Pappenhausen, I guess, uh, is the, the most notable um, sort of in there. I know he was on the bench the last few weeks, but he's now starting at fullback, which is, I guess, probably destiny. Um, Dale Finucane is uh, is going to have a week off. Um, so Chris Loris will replace him in the side. Um, and speaking of... Um, I guess not late bloomers, but guys who have had a long time out of the game. Tepai Maroa is back on the bench for the Storm. Um, he, he of, of course, Eels fame, um, mm. and then left to, to play rugby or, or whatever for a few years. Um, Harry Grant will be starting at hooker. Um, George Jennings will be back in the team for, for Justin Olam. So lots of uh, churn for the Storm too, I guess. Um, but look, there, it's a, a much stronger side than the Titans. And... Um, if memory serves me correct, the Titans always give the Storm a pretty good game, but they the Storm team to run away with it at the end. Um, and look, I, I can see the exact same thing happening uh, this week. Um, I, uh, I I just don't think that the Titans, with with history on the line for the Storm, will be strong enough to get over the top of them. Even even with the game um, in Queensland, I'm not sure if it's going to be at, um, at Seabus uh, Stadium or not. Whether the it's a home game or whether it's just being played there or what the story is, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't see the, the Storm giving this one up. I don't either. Uh, by the way, you mentioned the thing about Sexton. He has been uh, dropped, although I think dropped is probably a, a tough word because Jamal Fogarty is like a, a club captain. And no, he's been dropped. Yeah. So, uh, like, obviously, obviously Sexton has been playing pretty well, really. Um, but I think the loss to the Rabbitohs gave Holbrook the excuse he needed to get Fogarty back into the team. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention it during the halfback bit that the uh, the players that also got votes, so Luke Brooks came in at 11th, uh, Jake Clifford and Toby Sexton got one vote each. So they, they got 10th in a couple of lists there. So Sexton has been after three games, thought of highly enough to uh, to receive one vote on that list, uh, which is probably quite an indictment on the likes of Jamal Fogarty. Um, but um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Miles, for all the all the reasons you state. Obviously, the Storm have a bit of fluctuation going on for this game, but they're just too good, and you just we, we've just learned we're conditioned as rugby league fans to just trust the Storm. Uh, Friendy, what do you think? Storm by forty. Storm by 40. <laughs> Get wow. big Nico the ball more often and magic happens. Is that what's going to happen? Yeah, something like that. I think the Fox will jag a few this game. Yeah, probably. And Kieran, are you, are you as confident as that? Uh, well, the Titans kept to six the last time they played, which is actually the cumulative amount that the Storm have lost their two games by this season. So I think, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Um, that tells a pretty big story. I think the Storm will win comfortably. Kieran, that's an outstanding stat. That's yeah. outstanding. <laughs> well done. Uh, that's, that's really, really good. Um, I don't suppose you have any stats about the next game, which is the, the Raiders and the Seagulls from Suncor Stadium on Friday. 
Uh, none as impressive as that, but I am expecting these games to be pretty good. It's a, a doubleheader at um, Suncorp, and the first of them is the, the Raiders versus Eagles. Uh, the Raiders, actually, just firstly, uh, Charles Nickel Klokstad is back from a neck injury, which is a, a huge in for the Raiders. Mm. Um, I don't mind Rapana at fullback. He's been a bit better the last few weeks, but I think Nickel Klokstad is quite a big upgrade. Um, obviously, Corey Harrower and Ira has been suspended for three weeks after taking an early guilty plea. Um, the Raiders will also be without Jared Croker and hooker Tom Starling. Um, and then Seb Chris comes in at centre for Croker while Matt Frawley joins the bench. Uh, superstar fullback Tom Dravojevic has been named to play in a huge boost. It was looking like he could be out until the finals. Um, I'm curious to see uh, just how fit or how that cheekbone will hold up. I, I hope he's all good. Um, centre Brad Parker suffered a concussion when he was hit by forward Ryan Matchison, and he will be rested with Moses Suley coming into the starting side and Sibley returns from suspension, pushing Kurt DeLewis out of the 17. Uh, look, without Dvojevic, I was not sure which way to go, but with Dvojevic, I'm going to see Eagles. Yeah, it's it's pretty much where I land. Uh, it's not a bad situation to find yourself in when you lose Brad Parker and, and pick up Moses Suley. Uh And DeLewis did really well last week too, and Sipley comes in. like That's that's a good rotation that has the get, gets there at the moment. Uh, Seagulls, for me, what I'm worried about is I'm worried about the Raiders bench. I, I would be shocked if they go with that bench because they've got Gula oh. and Soliola who will be... Uh, middle forwards and you've got Nickel Klukstar who's a a, a a utility back potentially uh, coming back from a serious injury a neck injury and Matt Frawley who's a bit of a he's a reserve grade halfback really so I'm confused um, they must be really low on troops but they've got Dynamis Louis in the reserve so uh, if he passes a fitness test he might end up there instead of Frawley potentially uh but yeah that's they're struggling a little bit the Raiders for, for troops so I'm gonna go to Seagulls Friendy uh what do you reckon yeah I'll, I'll be tipping Manly um I probably would have tipped them with or without Tom to be honest but I think um it's quite odd that you mentioned that that they're struggling for troops the Raiders when they've lent uh, Corey Horsburgh and Ryan James to the Bulldogs. I, I don't know why they do that if they were so light on. It's it's a weird one. Yeah, I, I mean, Horsburgh would have been... like I mean, James is another middle forward, so Gula, Soliola, much of a muchness. Horsburgh, yes, also a middle forward, can play on the edge. Actually, so can Ryan James, really, if you add a pinch. They can both be edge forwards. Uh, it's, it's, it's a strange one. They're both experienced first graders, too. So, yeah, bizarre, absolutely. Uh Miles, can you make any sense of it? Is Ricky Stewart on or something there? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I think um, <laughs> I think Eagles will win this one. I agree. Uh, the next game, which is the uh, aforementioned doubleheader that Kieran was talking about, and it is something to be excited about, it is, uh, like, wouldn't it be great to have this as uh, another uh, preliminary final a bit later on in the season? The Panthers and the Rabbitohs. Panthers are, are relatively... Um, unchanged. They have uh, Coruscant coming back in, uh, which drops Kenny back to the bench. They've also got Fisher-Harris and Pangai Jr. Uh, back available. Uh, they've both been out for various, like, either COVID protocols or personal reasons. Um, as we mentioned last week, Savita Pangai Jr. had that terrible situation with his... Um, with his daughter. So, uh, you know, hopefully he's going okay and can get some footy into him soon. Kurt Capel comes back. He got, he joins the bench. That's how good they're going at the moment with troops. The Rabbitohs, uh, a little bit of changeover, but it's been mostly positive. They have Gagai and Johnston and Campbell Graham all returning. So that's, that's a, that's a, a big plus for them. Um, 
they go on so well that Jaden Suar is on the uh, on the reserves with the likes of Tane Milne, who's also done a really good job for the Rabbitohs. I'm going the Rabbitohs. I um, I'm going to you know live by the sword, die by the sword. I I reckon the Rabbitohs are going to make the grand finals here. I think they're going to be a better team than the Panthers at the back end, and I think that could start on Friday. So Rabbitohs for me, Kieran. Um, are you going by the way to the doubleheader, or are you going to uh, get a miss? I'm giving it to miss just because I'm actually going to the Lions the next day. Um, wasn't going to double up, but uh, I'm, I'm going to echo most of what you just said about the Rabbitohs. Um, I think they'll make the grand final, think they could win, and I'm going to tip them on Friday night. Miles, you've been saying that the Panthers are likely to be in the grand final, especially with Nathan Cleary there. Do you think they have what it takes to get this job done? No, I, I think um, I, I think they'll be acutely aware of the fact that uh, there are probably a fair few people out there who fancy the Rabbitohs, and I think they'll be keen to prove the doubters wrong. Interesting. Friendy, what do you make of it? Yeah, I'll be tipping the Panthers, and it is on the back of uh, Nathan Cleary being back, playing one game uh, as well. So I think you'll be have enough match fitness there to get through it, and yeah, I'll be tipping Penrith. The thing about Nathan Cleary is that he allows Luai to revert back to his best role as well, and and suddenly it just unlocks that whole team. So yeah, that could that could well be the game of the round. Although I have a suspicion it might be a different one, but let's not say this one because it's the Tigers and the Sharks on Saturday afternoon from Brown Park in Rockhampton. Friendy, the uh, the Sharks are stuttering right when they don't want to, and and the Tigers are, are making a, a late run for ninth. Yeah, they are. They're customary ninth position each year, isn't it? So, yeah, the Tigers welcome back. Tom, uh, Sorry, the Tigers welcome back James Tamo and Jake Simkin this week. They're in place of Thomas McKayley and Jacob Little. They're both suspended. So, uh, Jimmy, the balcony-breathing Roberts, is back for his first game. He's on the inter- interchange bench. And the Sharks, they'll be welcoming back uh, Moeni Harodi into the centres, which pushes one of my favourite players to watch, especially defensively, uh, Sasifa Talakai, back into Mm. the second row. Um, I love watching him defend and just demolish blokes, to be honest. It's it's quite good to watch. Uh, Toby Rudolph goes from uh, lock up to prop, which pushes Hamlin Newelli onto the interchange bench. Uh, Tolman is suspended again for some dangerous contact on my boy Daniel Safidi, which, yeah, that sort of hurt us a little bit. yeah, and Matt Moylan is listed among the reserves, but whether he plays or not, I'm not too sure whether you'd even risk that. So, yeah, I'll be tipping the Sharks in this one. Uh, I don't have much hope for the Tigers at the moment. Uh, full disclosure, Matt, Matt Moylan's been on the reserves for weeks. Like, it, it's just one of those things where I think they're really hopeful uh, that something happens that triggers a miraculous in, uh, injury recovery and he's, and he's back in. Although that would cost them the great Connor Tracy in the fire <laughs> position, so it could be a, a mixed blessing there. I am going with the Tigers. Um, I'm a little bit confused about Jimmy Roberts on the bench. I assume it's just so that he can have some legal fresh air. Um sitting there on the bench, but I, I just, I don't know about that, but the Sharks should win. They have everything to play for, but I just, I just don't think they will. Uh, Kieran, uh, does the Connor Tracy of, of it all get them over the line for you? Uh, well, not just that, but it's also that, uh, I don't know if the Tigers maybe just were only rising to the level of their opponents last week against the Cowboys, but I thought they were, uh, almost just as bad as the Cowboys. And so the only way I can really see them winning is off the back of Dewey. Um, and I don't think that's going to be enough. I think the Sharks will win. Miles, would you agree that any team that's good enough to leave the great Billy Walters on the reserves is good enough to beat the Sharks? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I, I don't know about that, but um, I am I am tipping the Sharks. Uh, the Tigers um, they've they've been better, but I and the Sharks have conversely probably been worse than they are the past few weeks. But I I just can't bring myself to do the Tigers against the Sharks just yet. Speaking of teams that probably can't get much worse, at least the, one of them at least, it's the next game is from Seabus Super Stadium at 5.30 on Saturday. It is the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs and the Newcastle Knights. The Knights uh, have a bit of a favourable run, and this is part of it, uh, heading into that hopeful top eight position for them. The Bulldogs haven't got a lot to play for. They probably can't even avoid the spoon at this point mathematically. So, uh, Miles, do you give them much hope at all? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, they'll have a new halves partnership too. Um, Jake Avrillo and, and Kyle Flanagan, so that'll be interesting. Um, what else is going on for the Bulldogs? Luke Thompson is back um, from injury, so that'll see Avis C. Manafagai on the interchange. Um, and uh, they got a new dummy half too, Jackson Turpine, um, who will start in place of Jeremy Marshall King. Um, and Corey Waddell has been promoted to the starting side as well for Matt Dory, who I think um, I think he's a, a five-eight anyway. So it's probably just pinch hitting there in, in the back row. Um, the Knights, it's not great news for them either, as as Friendy alluded to. Um, unfortunately, Daniel Safedi going to miss a few games, so hopefully he can make it back for um, a theoretical finals run that they may be in for. Um, but they they are replacing him with David Clemmer, which is you know about as as good as you can go for a bench prop. Um, Tyson Frizzell going to be missing as well. He um, has been suspended. Um, and I think that's just about it for the Knights. There's uh, some new faces on the bench. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, it's... Um, yeah, I don't think the Bulldogs are up to this quite yet. The Knights, I think, they've been so-so the past few weeks, but um, as have the Bulldogs. Um, maybe next year, if they're in a similar position, you know, the Bulldogs floating around the bottom of the ladder and the Knights... Again, struggling to make the eight. Maybe it's the, a game the Bulldogs are good enough to win, but this year I don't think that they're um, they're going to be able to get it done, especially with that uh, the very suspect halves partnership. I've really been fun again. Yeah, compared to uh, Mitchell Pearce, the uh, sixth best halfback in the comp, according to none of us, but but yet all of us, and <laughs> <laughs> and Jake Clifford, who who made the top thirteen as well. Um, yeah, that Kyle Flanagan didn't get a vote, did he? And that's a, maybe a reason for that. Friendy, there's um, there's a player that I don't recognise on the bench there for the Knights, Gerard Mamoisia. Um, yeah, what can Gerard you tell me Mamoisia. about him? He's a back rower, so he, he's done pretty well in the the lower grades in Newcastle. I think they're just looking to give him some game time. So yeah, it goes goes pretty well. Um, not sure how much game time he'll get with Jones and Barnett there. I think Jones needs a long run. Um, as well in terms of match fitness. But, yeah, um, I'll be tipping Newcastle, and I, I think they should really be looking to make a bit of a statement this game if they're going to do anything this year. Yeah, they, re- they really need to put this one away, don't you think, Kieran? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think the Bulldogs are the worst team. This is uh, up for debate, but I think they're the worst team when it comes to even getting in any good position on last or, or any attacking um, position. They just can't really score a try. There. Um, so, yeah, I think the Knights will win comfortably. I do rate the ragtag way the Bulldogs just pass the ball to a front row on the last. It's it's comparable. <laughs> it's comparable, frankly, to uh, just passing the ball to Tom Deard and to put an end over end bomb up that challenges nobody and doesn't <laughs> and creates no competition whatsoever. I'm very frustrated. We let go of Jake Clifford. 
Kieran, you've got the next game, which is between the Eels and our Cowboys. It is being played from Seabus Super Stadium. Seems cruel, frankly, to make the Cowboys travel. I was getting used to them playing every game in Townsville. But alas, uh, they're traveling down to the Gold Coast to play against the Eels. Now, the Eels, of course, have a lot to play for. They're, they're currently in sixth position. If they, if they have any sort of chance in this final series, they've got to be able to crack the, uh, the great defensive combination of Granville and Ben Hampton. Absolutely right, yeah. And no, uh, I can't think of who else they've got to get through. Um, Dude, and actually, he's been good defensively, and Cohen Hess. Um, but for the Eels, Ryan Madison won't play again before the finals after accepting a three-match ban. Uh, and I don't know if you guys saw his uh, flick pass on the weekend, but that was just quietly one of the best flick passes I've ever seen. Amazing. Um, for a, but he's out for a three-match ban for a high shot on, on Brad Parker that saw him sent off. He is replaced by Murata Niakore with Oregon Kafusi returning from concussion to fill the hole on the interchange. Um, Centre Tom Opacek and veteran Michael Oldfield have paid the price, which I... Honestly, don't mind. I rated Tom Opacek at the Cowboys, but I actually don't think he's been going that well at the Eels. So they've been dumped from the squad with Will Penasini and Hayes Dunster promoted from the extended bench to take their places. Um, winger Kyle Felt and Cohen Hess have been named despite being in some doubt for the Eels. Um, while youngster Griffin Neem, who played quite well, I think he made over 100 metres, um, set up a try as a definite out after he copped a one-game ban for a crusher tackle on Kamalo. Ruben Cotter makes a, a long-awaited uh, return um, after a foot injury, and I know that Peyton's quite high on him. I don't mind him. It's a, a decent in for us. Um, while Hess and Mitch Dunn, who started in place of uh, to claim Neem's spot on the bench, uh, well, uh, and I think Hess uh, was named to start, um, but he came off the bench last week, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure, and he starts this week. Um, and gun forward Jason Tamalolo and I think, Ham- yeah, Hammerside Tabio Fido, as I said earlier in the podcast, have been named on the reserves. They're both a chance to play. Um, I mean, I don't know that uh, it matters too much for the Cowboys. I actually think the Cowboys could play the Eels into such form that the Eels players actually believe they can topple the top top five teams again this season. Um, We just fold defensively completely and look completely disorganized in attack. I think the Eels will win comfortably, even if they're on a bit of a bad run. I think fold is a good word. Um, And as I said earlier in the pod when I was answering Owen's question, they're never going to win another game. Fold the club, (laughs) pack it up, it's done. The Eels have got this one. (laughs) Miles, what do you say? Uh, Yeah, look, I I think the Eels are going to win. I think the Cowboys can pressure them. They were decent defensively against the Tigers, who had a lot of ball and made very little of it. So who knows? But yeah, I am going to tip the Eels here. And Friendy, what do you make of it? Yeah, I'll be tipping Parramatta. Uh, just a little one for the listeners out there. Young Will Penasini, he debuted the other week. Just uh, keep an eye on him. He, he looks like a player of real potential. Yeah, watch him go. I noticed some fancy footwork in that debut. He had a couple of errors in him. I think he was a bit nervous. But, uh, yep. but yeah, he, looks, he looked lively. And Dunster has some skills too. Yep, for sure. Yeah, Penasini, um, I think he's one to really watch. He, he's uh, got a lot of attributes that I sort of like in outside backs, a bit of speed, bit of size, and, yeah, as you said, some footwork too. So, yeah, have a look at him. And have a look on Sunday afternoon with the game between the Dragons and the Roosters. It's been played from Clive Burkhofer Stadium, which is in Toowoomba. Uh, <laughs> the best thing about Toowoomba, a uh, little bit of trivia for you all, there are four O's in Toowoomba. There's just, there you go. Um, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the racetrack. <laughs> no, there's nothing else good up there. Um, they, they, they always talk about the uh, the flower uh, no festival. Garden City, isn't it? 
Yeah, the Garden City, and it's like, cool, whatever. We have a Garden City, too. It's just, it's Westfield, like, whatever. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the Dragons are welcoming Matt Dufty back into the fullback position. Uh, no Adam Clune, Corey Norman, unlucky to miss out on the top 10 halfbacks, I think. Um, if we had known, if we had known that he was going to play halfback, we would have probably put him in there, I'm sure. Um, would have given Jerome Hughes a real run for the money. But no, he's he's at halfback. Uh, Amoni, he looks he looks pretty lively. He he came on and sparked something yep. a little bit a couple of times. So he got a bit of footwork, a bit of something about him. Uh, he's, they're giving him a go at 5'8". I don't hate that. They've got Jaden Sullivan on the bench as well. So there's a couple of real live wires. To me, it looks like the Dragons are just... Like, you know, they have to. They have to win this game to be any chance of making the top eight. So, Griffin is just going to throw attacking weapons and lively players at the Roosters. Fuck off with, like, guys like Adam Clune that are just steady halfbacks. Like, great. Good on you. But, like, we want Corey Norman because he is mental. <laughs> we'll just... We'll see what he can do. Uh, for, the, for the Roosters, uh, they have uh, precious little going on, really. Um... Victor Radley is out, as we mentioned earlier, so he'll be replaced by Isaac Liu in the lock position. But realistically, it's pretty pretty much a program as usual for the Roosters, and I do expect them to get the job done. Miles, do you also? Yeah, I can see the Roosters winning this one pretty easily. I forgot to mention, by the way, that Samoan hooker, uh, Josh Maguire... Uh, is also playing hooker <laughs> again because because he he uh, he did he played hooker for the Samoa a number of years ago uh, if you guys remember but he uh, he's replacing Andrew McCulloch who's out for the, probably the rest of the season with an ankle injury. Um, Kieran, do you like the Roosters as well? Uh, yes, yeah, uh, we're taking the Roosters. They're currently in fourth position, friendy the Roosters. So uh, you know the, the Seagulls are uh, nipping at the heels, so they really want to put this one away. Yeah, they will. Um, does anyone really want that fourth position, though, and play Melbourne in week one of the finals? I think fifth looks more sort of enticing to me. Um, but, yeah, I'll be tipping the Roosters, and, yeah, I think Jared Warrior Hargraves, he's a huge in for them. F- frankly, I don't know if I want to come fifth and play against the likely eighth-place Warriors, um, <laughs> according, according to... And look, i tell you what, that's looking less and less crazy every day uh that that prediction friendy and you can do the honors of talking about that team uh as they play against the broncos it's a, technically a broncos home game it's at suncorp stadium anyway so that checks out um on sunday afternoon this will be the televised game on channel nine um look i, I actually i actually think this could be a, a real good game friendy I think it'll be, yeah, certainly an attacking game, won't it? So, especially with Milford's been put into the starting side with Tyson Gamble being suspended. Uh, it looks like Albert Kelly will play number seven in, in place of Gamble. So, I, I do like that as well. Um, and for the Warriors, Dallin Mateni's Lesniak comes back from suspension, uh, which drops Cozzy off to the extended bench. And Reese Walsh, he was fine during the week, but he'll be okay uh, to play. And I, I think... Yeah, I think I'll be tipping the Warriors here. As you said, it, it should be a pretty entertaining game. Maybe not um, entertaining, sort of like a, a classically entertaining game, but I think it'll be, yeah, very attacking, and I'll be tipping the Warriors. Yeah, it, it won't be Broncos versus Cowboys level, like, you know, the middle of last decade, you know, that sort of level in terms of quality, but it might be that level in terms of closeness. Um, I, I think I think it will be a, a rip snorter. So I'm, I'm going with... I'm going with the... Whoa. 
I don't know. I I, I, I almost said Warriors, but I really don't know. I, I think I will go with the Warriors. Um, I like Harris DeVita a lot. I like Walsh a lot. Um, I really, really like Josh Curran and Ewan Aitken as, as edge back rowers. I, I think they're really ripping in. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with the Warriors as well. I'm not confident, though. I really expect it to be a close game. Uh, and more on that in a second. Um, Miles, yeah, who do you like here, Broncos or Warriors? Yeah, I like the the Warriors in this one. I think they're putting together a nice little team for next year. Yeah, there's there's something about them, isn't there? There's something about it. And and Kieran, um, what do you make? Uh, I really liked the fight of both sides the last few weeks when they could have given up on their seasons and just thought about the off season. Um, I think the Warriors have. I can't recall exactly who the, the last three games are, but this is one of the more gettable ones. So I, I think I've got to go with the Warriors for that. Yeah, well, if they're going to keep charging towards eighth position, it's it's got to happen. So, uh, good luck to the Warriors. I, I I think a lot of the competition are backing them in, particularly with uh, all the sacrifices they've made over the last couple of years. Guys, that's uh, that's about it. Let's talk about bold predictions. I, uh, I I speaking of that game, I I think it will be the game of the round. I, like maybe less quality than the Panthers versus Rabbitohs, but I think it will be closer. And I think the game will be decided by less, a converted try or less. So six points or less. That, that's my ball prediction. A nice close one to round out the, the round. Uh, Kieran, what's your ball prediction? Um, I've got no Cowboys player will crack 120 metres against the Eels. And just for reference, seven Cowboys players ran for more than 120 against the Tigers. Wow! So like a complete shutout from the eels. I um, yeah. I, I hate that. I hate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like that. That sounds terrible. Um, Miles, does does your bold prediction also sound terrible? You're, you're usually quite optimistic. <laughs> well, I'm not this time. Um, <laughs> in fact, I'm I'm terribly pessimistic for both teams here. Um, I think the the eels' defense has been atrocious the past few weeks, and I think it will continue to falter, um, letting in at least three tries to the Cowboys. In a win for the Eels. Right. I I actually very very nearly considered uh, my bold prediction being that both of those teams would score 20 plus. Uh, I, I can see it being that kind of game, like you're saying. Yeah. And, uh, and Friendy, what's your bold? My bold is I've gone with a bit of that left side, strong side theme, but it's across the sort of round. So I've gone between Josh Adokar, Ruben Garrick, Inari Tawala, and Mike Sivo. They will score 10 tries between a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. hard. I've just made a, a, a loud high-pitched sound and it's freaked out this little dashing that's right in the- <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she was sleeping the poor little thing and now she's just like wide awake oh my goodness i've been in so much trouble <laughs> um all right let's um th- thanks so much for for your time tonight guys we pushed it back a little bit uh and i'm sure we've all postponing some dinner a little bit so let's uh let's sign off with a couple of little shout outs for me i'm gonna i'm gonna shout out Casey Maguire, just because I don't know why <laughs> I just like I was just thinking about rugby league as I often do, and <laughs> for some reason Casey Maguire popped into my head, and I thought, shit, how old is that guy? And then I looked it up, and he's only forty-one. Do you believe it? Like he's only forty-one, and he was he, he like this guy like can everyone remember Casey Maguire? Like that dude played yeah. Origin, like. <laughs> like 
How did that happen? He played two games. I mean, it was before Queensland went on that massive run. He played as a utility in 2005 in two games. But, like, that's that. Like, you know, so shout out to Casey Maguire, mate. Like, for having Shane Tronk levels of skill and still <laughs> managing to play State of Origin, yeah. I salute you, mate. That's, um, shout out to you. Yeah, yeah, please. I'm sorry. Yes, we're we're actually the 35th most popular um, rugby show in Australia. Yes. <laughs> so, and 25th in Canada, and 185th <laughs> in US. So, like, but that's that's beside the point. But yeah, so Canada. Thanks, uh, thanks for bringing that home, Canada. It may have been the fact that I put. Uh, blame Canada in last week's episode. <laughs> Actually, come to think of it, never mind. Um, <laughs> Kieran, who are you shouting out this week? Uh, I've got a shout-out for my physio and podiatrist, Erica and Chelsea, and a, a shout-out to Peak Sport and Spine Centre, where I go for my physio. Um, they've been awesome getting my body back into shape uh, and healthy. Uh, so, yeah, shout-out to them. Yeah, you, you mentioned they, uh, they they cut you a bit of a deal there. They've, they're really looking after you. So, uh, a big shout-out to Peak. They're, they're at uh, at Hawthorne, aren't they, in Brisbane? Yes, for anyone that needs to go in Brisbane. Uh, awesome physio place. Uh, I wouldn't uh, wish that you get an injury, but if you do, definitely a good place to go. Well, I would wish that you get an injury. Um, so, <laughs> when you do... Go and see Peak at uh, at Hawthorne on Riding Road there. Uh, Friendy, who's your shout-out this week? Uh, Shout-out to the better version of Casey Maguire, and that's Sean Berrigan. <laughs> cool. the, the rich man's Casey Maguire. <laughs> the, the, Clive, the Clive Churchill winning uh, Casey Maguire. Good shout. And <laughs> Miles, who you got? Well, speaking of, uh, of rich men, and, and stay with me here on this one, I've got... Um, uh, Chris Davis uh, recently retired this week, Baltimore Orioles slugger. Uh, this Just for a bit of context, this guy was, he was probably just about the most exciting player in baseball for a, a few years uh, uh, this decade, or last decade now. Um, just about to hit a home run every time he was at the plate. Um, and he signed, a, I think, in 2015, a, a massive contract extension worth well over $150 bucks. But uh, unfortunately, he... Um, he hurt his hip, which is um, pretty much a, a death sentence for a hitter. Um, you, you generate most of your power through your hips. But um, so he accepted a, a bit of a forced retirement or, or payout from the Orioles this week. Um, he's still owed about seventeen million bucks in his contract, um, and he's deferred that for for salary cap reasons for the across the next fifteen years. So he will be making at least, I think the figure is at least one and a half million bucks from his team until twenty thirty eight, when he's in his fifties. It's so, one of those like scratch it like set for life scratchies like, like yeah it is I, I love it I mean you know it's seventeen million bucks now or one and a half million bucks for the next twenty years I, I know which one I'm going to take seventeen now <laughs> I'd wait <laughs> so I'm going to take yeah I'm going to take the deferred payments what happens oh. if they go bust <laughs> that's a good question I mean it's a sports team so it's only going to probably get more valuable as time goes on but good good question. Up the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.